Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Through good times and bad, Trupanion is here for you. The Trupanion policy helps cover the cost of unexpected accidents and illness for your pets. The Trupanion team is still available, even in lockdown, 24-7, to help your pet. They also have a program dedicated to breeders, so you can send your litters home protected. Their breeder support program provides special offers that waive the waiting periods for your buyers. It's absolutely free for you to get started. Just sign up on the link at the website, puredogtalk.com. Don't forget, mention Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am very excited about this conversation. This is part two. Our guest today is someone I've followed on Facebook, someone I've really watched the journey that he's taken with his dogs and with his passion. And so now I get to bring it to you guys. So I'd like to introduce you to Neil Trillo Kaker. Yes? Yes. Close? (laughs) Pretty good. Neil is obsessed with a breed of dogs called the Caravan Hound. To continue this drawing of this distinction, right, between the fancified, we'll just call them that, for lack of a better phrase, and the original. Right. Is there any effort on any level by anybody other than you to (laughs) continue to develop, to breed on, to salvage that original style? Or are you attempting to save the breed entirely by incorporating the fancified? Or where are you guys with that? So here's the thing. I don't like to call them styles. I like to say the breed and okay. registered long long dogs with papers. Okay. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with lurchers and long dogs, but so a lurcher is a sighthound crossed with like another breed. So like usually a type of collie or terrier. Right. A long dog is a cross of various sighthounds. So. Okay. Now lurcher, I had heard long dog. I had not. Okay. Yeah. So you have the breed, the caravan hound, and you have the long dog. Yeah, which happens to have papers and be registered and winning shows, but right, I mean that doesn't make it the breed. Okay, so I have always advocated for not incorporating that style of dog or that different dog because eventually it's been done before, where people have got a really nice dog or bitch of correct type with genetic integrity and infuse the nouveau type, and eventually it's totally washed out, and all you have is just the nouveau type because the numbers are on that side. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, there's a couple of people that have taken a real interest in the original type and collected nice dogs. There's an attorney by the name of Abhay Arikar that is very knowledgeable and does a great job. There's a really nice restaurateur by the name of Pramod Salunke who had two very beautiful dogs and made them available for breeding to good people. And there's a friend of mine by the name of Sham Barure, who is a landlord in India, and he has the space and funds to collect and keep dogs. And so he's bred some really good litters, and he 
collects nice dogs. But the unfortunate side is all these people are not really interested in kennel clubs and registration. Unfortunately, as it stands, most of the registered population of this breed is not close to the roots of the breed. Are there caravan hounds in North America? Do you have any up in Canada? Do we have any in the States? Not that I know of. In 2004, I imported what I believed to be the first registered caravan hound, in quotes, Mm. to leave India. So, I mean, I'll tell you a little bit of my own history. I first came across the breed in like the early 1990s whilst Mm -hmm. I still lived in India. Okay. It's the same dog show where I saw my first Salukis. I saw my first caravan hounds. And so in the late 1990s, I became friendly with a gentleman by the name of Himanshu Gupte, who was the first one to really study the breed in depth. Like he went all around on his little bike to see dogs, photograph dogs, and just create a record of these dogs. And if you look at his photographs, the type is undeniable. It is a breed, like one after the other after the other. Right. And this is people breeding them without records, but they are breeding type, 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 type. This is a breed. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was corresponding with him for, you know, I was like nine years old or something. (laughs) I was going to say, I was pretty sure you were born in 1994. Come on. So I came to Canada and I got really involved in showing in juniors with Salukis Mm -hmm. and other sighthounds and Borzoi and Greyhounds and all that. And so in 2000, I published in Dogs in Canada about Indian sighthounds. And so basically my interest in study has gone back to that time. And every time I go back, I try to find out a little bit more. So in 2004, I decided I wanted to import this dog. And I chose a very well-respected, famous breeder there who was like the top kennel, president of a local kennel club. Mm And, you know, because one has been educated to believe that anybody that believes in these things is probably breeding purebred dogs, one goes with that. And the minute I opened the crate at the airport, my grandmother brought me this dog, by the way. Oh my (laughs) Um, gosh. The minute I opened the crate and that dog walked out, and I had seen the original type already, right? Right, Mind you, at this time. And I hadn't really delved into what this individual would send me because I would expect. Right. And out walks the dog. I knew the minute that dog walked out, it was not a caravan hound in the authentic sense. It had papers with a pedigree, but it was not. Like, I mean, she was rose in her ears and she had a regular smooth coat and it was a party color. And she was a beautiful dog, really beautiful dog. And I even showed her in rare breed shows and I want to reserve best in show and all that. But eventually I spayed her and placed her because I didn't want to insult my own heritage that way and mislead. Perpetuate what did not represent the original and foundational. Right. The original type, you know, like my heart beats for the dogs that are out there in the villages and the fields. When you see them, the real dogs, And you see them just like in condition and they just Mm -hmm. dance. They just dance. And it's almost like when you see an Akulteki horse, you know, in the flesh. There's some very ethereal quality about them, which the others do not have. They're very beautiful dogs. And if you go on social media nowadays, on Facebook and all that, you know, there's all these people posting these dogs and 99% of them are not the real deal. But, you know, they're beautiful. And so people all over the world are like, oh, wow, what a beautiful dog. I can't wait to have one. 
and my pressure is just like, oh, out the way. You know? <laughs> so. Let's keep Neil's blood pressure down, people. He's too young for a stroke. <laughs> I know. I worry. I worry. I tell you. Because, I mean, the people that have come with me, I've taken friends of mine from Europe and North America with me. Like Virginia Perry, who's from California and breeds IGs. I co-owned an IG with her. She had the dog Buttonfly Levi that Don Rogers showed. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So she's been with me several times. And Martina and Michael Kuhlmann from Germany, they breed mm-hmm. Borzoi. They've been, and Lana Gazdar, who's from the UK and is actually a lurcher breeder. Okay. They've all been with me. And every single one of them can see the difference between the authentic dog mm-hmm. and the adulterated animal. Okay. And every single one of them has said there is something very, very special because it's the whole path. You just see them and it takes your breath away. They are such a phenomenal dog. So for the uninitiated to Asiatic sighthounds, is there some detail you were talking about when the one came from the airport and she rosed her ears? Okay, so what are some of those small details that for you are clearly definitive to this is the original, this is the copy? Okay, so first of all, like, for dog people, you would think of a caravan hound, something kind of like between an Afghan and an Azawak. There is a similarity between them. They're not the same. I'm not saying it's a variety of Afghan or a variety of Azawak, right. but there is a certain similarity. It's a very dry dog, mm-hmm. lean, dry musculature, minimalistic in design, mm-hmm. if you think about it that way. Very square or even slightly shorter than they are tall. Mm-hmm. very deep chested with a really good tuck up, not a very long loin. It's a fairly moderate loin. The top line is fairly level, you know, more like an Afghan type top okay. line, fairly okay. level, or there might be a very slight incline from the withers up to the hip bones, oh. not sloping down from the withers, sloping slight incline. And the hip bones are prominent, right? Angulation is very moderate. They have very refined head. There's two basic head types in the breed, but even what they call the more moderate head is a very refined head to begin with. Just thin skin. The coat is a very unique coat. You know, the only breed that I've felt the coat on, which is kind of the same, is some Sharpay have a similar coat that they call a horse coat, I think. Oh, horse coat, right. That really hard, bristly hair. Right. And I think some of the Chongqing dogs might uh-huh. have a similar coat too, because uh-huh. it's very sparse. It's almost hairless on the undersides. And it looks glossy when you look at it from afar, like it gleams, but you touch it and it's got like a bristly, harsh feel to it. Fascinating. And it's a very short coat. Like you can see the skin through the coat. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a very unique and prized characteristic of the breed. Colors. They are usually very drab colors, so they blend in with the land over which they work. Right. They work over black cotton soil, largely, and so you get a lot of blacks, you get a lot of seals, you know, shades of seal, Mm -hmm. and also some of the dogs work over red soil, so you get reds and fawns, and occasionally you get a gray, not a blue, not a dilute, like a gray gray. Okay. So generally, a lot of old hunters and breeders, village people, they do not accept brindle and they do not accept party colors. Okay. 
because those are thought to have been brought in with greyhound influence. Okay, right. There is not a high incidence of feathered caravan hounds. Out of all the people I know, and they had a meeting of 50 different people that have known the breed for years and years, there were two people that have seen a feathered caravan hound born. So the incidence is like almost even less than a long-haired Akita or something. Right. Oh, definitely yeah. less. Long-haired Akitas are like dime a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> Serious. Okay, so their basic job then for the bandits, for the travelers, what was their job? Were they the bring in the dinner and guard, kind of like the Azawak, or what was their job? Yeah, so first and foremost, it's a hunting dog. So they largely for hare and fox. Fox, because it's a vermin, and hare for food. Mm-hmm. In the old days, it would also be chinkara and black buck, which is a type of gazelle. Okay. But that doesn't really happen these days. Mm-hmm. So it's a hunting dog, but it also is, you know, general alarm right. around the property. They're not aggressive. They're not supposed to be super guardy or aggressive, mm-hmm. but they will alarm. Right. Sure. And typical sighthound reserved kind of cat-ish in their mannerisms or how are they personality-wise? So personality-wise, they're reserved like most Asiatic sighthounds for sure. It's surprising. Most of them, they're raised in a very rough manner, the ones that live in villages. But they still end up being very easygoing dogs, honestly. You know, they know how to interact with the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm very impressed with their characters. Like, I mean, a lot of them are more well-adjusted than a lot of sighthounds I see in other parts of the world. So, But yeah, they're very, very easygoing reserved and they know their people and they prefer their people but they are generally quite sensible dogs right and that's another difference between i was so there's gonna, another I was just breed. gonna say hmm, sensible sighthound okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're definitely reserved though they're not going to come up to you and try to make friends they'll just right. sit in their corner bark a little mind their own business that's kind of their personality mm-hmm. there's another breed in the state south of where these dogs are found called a mudhol hound, which is phenotypically very different. Mm. The history is very different too. And so that breed is super friendly. Like it's never met a stranger. So, <laughs> so the, you know, temperaments are different too. Interesting. Hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, folks, 2020 has to put it mildly presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom... Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. 
conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. I feel like we need to do a whole separate podcast on the dogs of India because it's a country where I have a few friends there. I've talked to people there. I just feel like there's so much there that we don't know anything about in the West that I just think is fascinating. Well, there's layers and layers and layers, right? (laughs) So, and unfortunately for the dogs of India, some breeds are in a really good situation, like Mudhol hounds are in great situation. Mm -hmm. The Rajapalyam, which is, I'm not knowledgeable about them, but they're from the South. They seem to be in a good situation because they're true to type. Right. But then you have other breeds like the Caravan Hound, which is unfortunately Mm -hmm. gravely misrepresented to the world. Right in the original breed is almost extinct. And we're hoping people will see the value in preservation of that breed. And then, you know, for Rampur Hound, which was a very well-known, if you look in old dog books coming out of England, Mm. a lot of them will mention the Rampur Hound. There's pictures of Rampur Hounds in those books. And then somewhere along the way, that breed, it's still registered But the dog you see today is a greyhound. It's a coursing greyhound. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. There is a precedent for the caravan. (laughs) We're really worried. Okay. So what actions, what is being done? What actions are being taken? What's your ask to the dog world? My number one ask to the dog world is please do not be swayed by what you see on social media. Not every Indian is an expert on this breed. And not every picture you see is an authentic specimen. I think people need to be a little bit more critical. And I think people that have a real heart and eye for sighthounds, they can see the difference. There's an essence that the original dog has, which the Nouveau creation simply does not have. I really hope, you know, I see all the time these people all over Europe and North America, oh, wow, it's so exotic and they want one. No, like you need to delve deeper. Don't order it online because trust me, I'll be commenting all over your dog's picture saying fake, 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 fake. So do you have any plans? Is there a way? Is there an organization? Is there a group? You talked about these people, the 50 people that got together. Is there some effort underway to get any of the authentic original issue breed to (laughs) North America? So we would really like to see the breed prosper in India, mm-hmm. you know, at least have a somewhat stable population. So to that end, we've created an unofficial standard, but okay. one that describes the original dog. Okay. And that's always available. If anybody wants to get in touch with me offline. We will have contact information. Yes, absolutely. You know, but positive. I don't want the mm-hmm. negative. Enough yeah. negative. In life. Yeah. So. I don't want to hear about the death threats. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, if I go missing on one of my trips, it's got to be a kennel club person that's done me in. No, no, no. no. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not because that's happened. (laughs) Okay. So maybe we don't want to talk about the dogs of India. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, my main ask is just really be critical and study. And don't believe everything you see on the internet. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. 
And learn to look at type. And if you have an eye for dogs, Mm -hmm. you will see the differences. It is so clear. They are so stark. So Neil, we will be providing pictures in the blog post. So people will be able to go to look at this. Will you be able to provide me with, this is a photo of the original issue style, and this is a photo of the knot. So I will provide you with photographs of original style. I am hesitant to provide pictures of the knot, but you know, just Google Caravan Hound or (laughs) go on Facebook and search Caravan Hounds and you will see a plethora of Mm. the other. And, you know, I think anybody with a real eye for a dog will spot it right away. Mm -hmm. Enough people have told me they see a vast difference between what I'm showing them. Right. And what they're seeing on various Facebook groups or on, you know, when they Google Caravan Hound. And so you want to keep the preservation of the Caravan Hound in India rather than export it to North America to save it here. (laughs) The export piece is complicated because someone in India would have to do the veterinary work and all that. So until the logistics of that are figured out, we can't really discuss that because that involves a lot. It's an entirely different ballgame than importing a dog from anywhere else in the world right. because you got to do a whole bunch of different things. And the dogs are not really kept by breeders. They're kept by people in villages. So like right. it's a whole... It's a process. Yeah, it would be nice, but the process is a little bit more long and drawn out. Mm-hmm. So we'll see kind of where that goes. And then there's also the piece of some people that have the means and have the dogs that they could vet and could provide the paperwork for export, but choose not to. So Okay. Yeah. So there's several layers to this right. whole thing. Right. But my real hope is that judges that go judge in India or anybody that sees dogs on the internet will learn to see type and assist that way in type preservation. Right. And so here's a curiosity question. Here's a hypothetical. A person goes from North America and judges dogs at a show in India and is presented with a caravan hound that is obviously not of the authentic or original breed. Mm -hmm. And no caravan hound of the authentic breed is in the ring. What is our judge to do? Withhold ribbons. (laughs) Okay. That's That's my question. Yeah. That's specifically why I'm asking. Yeah. And I mean, it's very complicated because a lot of Indian judges don't even know what they're supposed to look like. Most Mm. Indian judges have no clue what they're supposed to do. Like, I mean, I remember speaking with somebody that was running a show and, you know, I asked him, so how do you get foreign judges to judge this breed? The reply was, oh, I just say judge it like a slugi or a smooth saluki. First of all, those breeds are not the same. Secondly, if you're asking a judge to judge this distinct breed under a different breed standard, you don't even have a breed to begin with. So yeah, there's a Mm, lot. lot. Okay. Well, and I think that the biggest thing is the history preservation is the piece that is fascinating to me Mm -hmm. and preserving that initial and original and authentic and undiluted and (laughs) all of those things, preserving that. And so I hope that you have great success with that. Well, it's definitely an uphill battle. And I'm not really into battles, but I definitely, my hope is to disseminate correct information about the breed, provide imagery, and provide support to people, moral support to people over there that I know 
are doing a good job and have their heart is in the right place. Because also because of that history of Indians not appreciating their own, there is now a reactionary group that anything, any dog they pick up is, oh, it's a proud Indian breed. I mean, those people, it's just ego mostly. But the people that are willing to put in the study and do it right, Mm -hmm. I want to provide moral support to those people and maybe eventually actively participate as well. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where the journey takes me. I am very excited to follow your journey. And I am thrilled that you have paused here at Pure Dog Talk on your way. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate your time. (laughs) I appreciate your time tremendously. And I'm very excited to share your photos with everybody because your journeys to India are fabulous. And someday, someday, on some bucket list that I may never check off. I'm going to get to go with you and see them too. Oh, you have to. You have to. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Well, thank you very much, Neil. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you so much. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 